Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. That's Him. And you thought texting was cool. Okay, that's the guy. Now, this gives us a unique perspective here because we see that Saul is the man that God chose. God chose him. He drew him in. And when he saw Samuel and Samuel saw him, he goes, that's him. God chose him. Now, maybe you're thinking, whoa, whoa, okay, wait a minute, Ray. I thought God was angry with Israel for wanting a king right now. And I thought the prophecy in Deuteronomy said, I'll bring you a king of my choosing. Well, what he is bringing them a king of his choosing, isn't he? So you, you may be asking, though, how could God have chosen Saul to be king right after being angry at Israel for wanting a king? It almost proposes a problem here, but it's a very valid question. What we need to understand here is that Saul is not the king God chose for Israel's uplifting. Saul is God's choice for Israel's humbling. Very different deal. King David is going to come do great things, bring in the messianic line that's going to bring salvation to all men. Saul's going to come in to save his people militarily, but he also warned he's going to take everything from Israel like a dictator. There's a point for Saul coming in. Saul is God's choice for Israel's humbling. Remember, Israel rejected the Lord's rule over them. Samuel took it hard. He goes, no, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, he told Samuel. Same as when you witness to people and they reject you and hate you for being a Christian and trying to share the gospel. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. So it's the same parallel. And so Saul is the man that God chose for them, not because Saul satisfied God's requirements, but because Israel had to reap the consequences of their sin through Saul. You see that? And so Samuel disarmed Saul's mind about the donkeys. Where's my donkeys? You know, you're talking to this guy you just met, and he goes, oh, and by the way, your donkeys are fine. They just got found. Well, I'm going to listen to everything this guy says because he knows everything about me. <laughs> okay. They've been found. The donkeys had served their purpose for getting Saul drawn into Samuel's presence. So they don't matter anymore at this point. Okay, we got done with the donkeys. They're found out of the equation here. Samuel wants Saul's mind to get off the business of donkeys and get on the business of being king. That's why Samuel asked him, see where he says, on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? Saul himself knew Israel wanted a king. He knew that their desire of all of Israel was to have a king. And so he realizes that Samuel just told him, the kingship has fallen upon you. I would have been floored. I'm just out looking for donkeys, and all of a sudden, I'm king all of a sudden. You'd, you'd be shocked. And Saul is so shocked to hear this that he says, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest family, of the smallest tribe? It's like, I'm small beyond small beyond small. I'm like three layers of small. 
Why me? How come me? How can I become royalty? 1 Samuel 9, 22. Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about 30 persons. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set it apart. So the cook took up the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Here it is, what was kept back. It was set apart for you. Eat, for until this time it has been kept for you, since I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Okay, Saul is getting the royal treatment. He's already been put up like, wow, party time. The best cut of the whole animal they saved for him. He is the distinguished guest of honor. Now, we saw earlier how Saul had disregard for the sacrifice work that Samuel had to do. But also what we see here is, at least in this stage of Saul's career, is that he's taking this with some humility. Me? Me? Here's the choice cut for me. He at least right now has humility. He's going to lose it real soon. But right now he has it. He does not think he should be in this position of honor. This is probably about the most level-headed we're going to see Saul is right here at the beginning. Right at at the start. Because we know what kind of man he's going to turn out being later on. A man who will forget his humility when he becomes corrupted with power and takes everything from the people of Israel. 1 Samuel 9 and 25. When they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. They arose early, and it was about the dawning of the day that Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house, saying, Get up, that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose, and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go ahead of us. And he went on. But you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of God. Now Samuel, he wanted to tell him the word of God. In other words, what this means, Samuel was to tell Saul about God's selection on him becoming king. Now some application I see in this chapter is first, obedience. Obedience. Sometimes you got to do something you don't want to do. And I see Samuel doing that. Now, knowing the kind of king that Saul would become, Samuel didn't want to do this for Israel while they were in rejection of God. He, he, he was dreading this. But he was commanded to do it, and so he did. And friends, there's going to be times that you're required to do things that you do not want to do. Of course he's going to tell you to do something you don't want to do. We're the sinner. Sometimes you've got to do something you don't want to do. And I see Samuel doing that. Now, knowing the kind of king that Samuel would become, that Saul would become, knowing the kind of king that Saul would become, Samuel didn't want to do this for Israel while they were in rejection of God. He, he, he was dreading this. But he was commanded to do it, and so he did. And friends, there's going to be times that you're required to do things that you do not want to do. I have actually talked to people that said they don't want to pray deeply enough to hear from the Holy Spirit because they're afraid the Holy Spirit's going to tell them to do something they don't want to do. Can you believe somebody actually telling a pastor that? Did I just hear you right? you afraid the Holy Spirit? Of course he's going to tell you to do something you don't want to do. We're the sinner. <laughs> but God had bigger plans for Israel. And so Samuel obeyed. 
God had big plans for Israel, but it would take a king like Saul to get Israel back to lamenting again. Not long before this, they were lamenting. And the Lord showed up and thundered on the Philistines and drove them off. But they were lamenting. They were right before God. God's trying to get them back to that. Lamenting, being sorry for your sin. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. People aren't sorry for their sin anymore. There will be times when your kingdom work seems to be going downhill. You know it. If you've been a Christian for probably five minutes, you have experienced dread in what you have to do to represent Jesus Christ. My advice is trust and obey. Trust and obey. God sees a future that you can't see. Now, I know that your work right now seems like, what is God doing? Why does He have me do this? It looks so terrible out there. Why do that? God sees something you don't see. I'll tell you, when I left my career in radio to come into ministry full-time, I left 90% of my income. I thought, God, you want me to do what? That looked like walking backwards to me, not forward. But God sees an end that I don't see. I just have to obey and trust Him with it and do what He said. So... Another aspect in this story, though, is that just because something looks good, that doesn't mean it is good. Oh my gosh, here we go. I could talk on this one all day. Oh God, he's going to go another hour. No. Saul really looked good. He looked like he could fit the job. He looked right, but he's not right. Just because something looks good, that does not mean that it is God's will for you. You must first ask yourself... Is this God's will for me or not? Ask that question often, every decision. Is it God's will for me or not? And how can you know? Well, pray about it. Pray about it. Also, does God's word say yes to it or does God's word say no? If you've got a decision on a certain issue or subject, does God's word address it? Does it say yes or no to it? Consult the Word of God. Consult the Lord. And this right here is a point of caution for us. When you've got decisions to make, it looks good, but I don't know. Typically today, people go, oh, that looks good. I'm going for it. That's what they do. This is a point of caution for us. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says this. Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Looks pretty good. Looks real good. Might be the devil in that. 1 John 4 and 1. Friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Now, it says here that false prophets have gone out into the world, and that's right where they belong. Because they have no place in the kingdom. Yeah, they're in the world. And so are we right now. Today, Christians are being heavily influenced by a lot of lies and deceit. Being misled by spiritual influences that are disguised to look like they are righteous. You've heard the scripture. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. It looks good. They're disguised to look righteous, when in reality, they're downright wicked. And today you see it absolutely everywhere. 
So many people praise and celebrate what God's Word says is sin. Guys, there are things going on today in our culture that people are celebrating over and demanding with a fist like this, saying we have the right to it and we're going to have it that God's Word says no to. And be careful what looks good. They celebrate what God's Word says is sin because it has been disguised underneath the language of tolerance and acceptance so that it looks good. You talk about tolerance and acceptance. That sounds right to me. But that's a disguise. Sin is attractive. It's very attractive. It always looks like something you want, doesn't it? Problem is, there's a hook in it. How many of you like to go fishing? You throw out something to fish once. You fish around here, you need to use shrimp with the head, okay? Because it's got juice in it. The fish like that. They like that juice, okay? But it, the fish wants it. But what the fish doesn't know is there's a hook in that shrimp. And if he bites on it, the hook's got him, and then he gets reeled into his doom, and he's done. Well, guys, sin has a hook in it, but it usually looks good. And if you don't weigh it out first with the Holy Spirit discernment that you've been given, and you bite on that thing, it's going to hook you, and you're going to get reeled into your destruction. You know, guys, if sin looked like a red devil with horns and a pitchfork dancing around in fire, it would be a lot harder for people to fall for it. So Satan's not going to look obvious like that. He's going to hide himself under something that looks really good. In a world that's passing away, you should be very cautious of anything that presents itself as popular. Be very careful. Man, that's popular, but it's the thing. I'm automatically away from it. If it's popular, leave me out of it. (laughs) Let me have my time to weigh it out with the Lord first. Test the spirits, and you aren't even capable of testing the spirits if Jesus is not Lord of your life. And I'm speaking through to everybody here in the camera. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, you don't have the ability to determine. Let me show you. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, But the spiritual man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because... They are spiritually discerned. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, then you don't have the indwelling Holy Spirit who gives you spiritual discernment. Christians, we're set apart. We're supposed to be different. Israel was not supposed to be like the other nations. Oh, give us a king like like the other nations. We're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be different. You're not supposed to make decisions like the world does. You're supposed to have Holy Spirit discernment and test the spirits before every choice you make. Don't run with what's popular because everybody else is doing it. Well, all the Christians are doing it. Jesus didn't call you to be like Christians. He called you to be like Him. you got to have that discernment, the ability to tell what is of God and what is not. So that when those things that come at you, that look really, really good when they jump in front of you, then you'll know how to determine whether they are really right or not. Israel had lost their identity with God. They had lost their holiness here by this time in the, in the chapter. They weren't seeing right. You've got to get your gospel goggles on and see right. Friends, God intends for you to be holy in a close relationship with Him. 
one of his own special people. You're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. Be holy. 1 Peter 1 and 16 says, Be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. You may be thinking, well, I want to be holy, Ray. I want to be holy. I want to do what's right. I don't want to be misled into what's wrong. So how can I know which way to go? Let me put it to you this way. If the Lord can draw Saul in over donkeys, then God can certainly guide us who believe. And he will implement circumstances in your life like he did with Saul to get you on your path. Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. What am I... Wait a minute. Slow down. (laughs) Stop. Pause. Reset. Reboot. Whatever. Ask the Lord. Pray. What does His Word say? Well, I don't know what His Word says. Well, you need to read it. Well, I don't understand it. Well, then read what you can understand. Do something. Saul's servant spoke up. I'm speaking up. I'm telling you to continue. Get in God's word. I'm giving you ways to keep going. Get in God's word. You need Jesus Christ, Lord, as your life. You need that discernment. Now, I want you to consider how much Jesus loves you today. I want, you to, I want to give you something to compare with. Adam, our first ancestor, he sinned and blew our shot at royalty. He blew it for all of us. And you blew it too because we're all sinners. I'm a sinner. I'm the biggest sinner in the room. I've got a past that you would have not liked me. I am the biggest sinner in the room. I'll tell you that right now. Because of Adam, I blew my shot at royalty. We, I, I, we, all of us, had no qualifications at all that justified us for being asked into the royalty of God's kingdom. None of us did. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died on the cross to pay our death penalty for us so that we can be free. And as shocked as Saul was to be sitting in the place of honor at the feast, do you realize that if you are in Jesus Christ, you have a place of honor set before you too? Revelation 19.9 Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Friends, because of Jesus Christ, you have been chosen to become royalty. Royalty. Say, I am royalty. I am royalty. Say it like you're happy about it. I am royalty. For real. That's why 2 Timothy says, if we endure, we will reign with him. You've got to be royalty to reign with the king. If you're thinking, though, that you're not worthy of this royalty, then that's good. I want you to take a snapshot of that humility. Like Saul, but I'm so small. I'm of the smallest tribe of the smallest family. I want you to snapshot that in your mind. But I'm a sinner. But I have not one righteous thing in me. You go ahead and layer it up on all your reasons why you should not be qualified or called or invited to this royalty. Take a snapshot of that humility and never lose that picture. Keep it. That's a good place to be with before the Lord. But like Saul, many people today have no regard for the Lord's sacrifice. They don't consider Jesus' death on the cross to be that important. 
They have pride rather than humility. And because of that, they have turned their backs on God. And they are now saying, no, we want another king to reign over us. Not this one. Be in humility before the Lord. Don't forget that. Repent. Turn around. Turn back to God. And make Jesus your Lord and Savior. But Ray, you don't know the terrible things I've done. That's okay. The Lord knows. I don't need to know. He knows. He died for it. I did not. The Lord died for your sin. And He loves a heart that laments over sin. He's trying to get this nation, this world, back to lamenting. Lord, we're sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry that I wronged you. That's the way we need to be. He loves a heart that laments over sin. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Father, I thank you for this word today. Forgive us, Father, for walking away in pride, in the power of me. Lord, a lot of us don't want Jesus. A lot of people in this world don't want Jesus to rule over them. They want to be their own king and sit on their own throne, and it never works. And they know it's not working. Lord, I ask you, draw them in like you drew Saul in. Set up circumstances in their life as you already have. And maybe now, by hearing this message, they're just starting to realize, that's why that happened. That's why this happened. That's why I have this hindrance or this problem. Because I need to give it to Christ. Yeah, you need to give it to Christ. Draw your people, Father God. Draw your people. Forgive us of our sin. May we never stop lamenting over our sin. Help us to keep a picture of this humility that we are not worthy of this honor, of this place of honor that you even have set for us as distinguished guests at your great banquet at a marriage supper, Lord God. Thank you for that, but I don't deserve it one bit. May I never forget that I don't deserve it. May I remember my place. I'm the sinner and you're not. You came and died for me in my place. For anybody hearing me now, you want to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, here's how you do it. You have to believe it. I can pray it, but I can't pray it for you. You have to believe this yourself. Father, I have sinned. The things the world is calling popular is not good, and I have to get out of it. But if I, but Lord, I don't know how to get out of it. That's okay. Let the Lord deal with it. Just turn around. Lord, I give you my life. Jesus, you are now Lord. That means you are the boss. And I will obey you even if you tell me to do something I don't want to do. Teach me to discern right from wrong. Teach me to to discern the kingdom service from the worldly desires. I can separate those things apart. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for taking the eternal condemnation that would have been upon me. You took upon yourself, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for asking me. A guy with no qualifications whatsoever, no ancestral lineage of royalty, nothing in my bloodline at all that qualifies me whatsoever. And yet you invited me to become royalty in your kingdom. Thank you, God. Thank you. I give you my life. Take it. I look forward to eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.